So some of the things that um, I think people were doing re- were really good, like doing audits of their um, resources and seeing, you know, whether um, their resources were expressing women and girls in strong and positive ways. Some people were having discussions with their preschoolers about what women do. Um, others were having morning teas. One service was giving um, every woman a flower. Um, some were having women mothers coming in and talking about what the day meant to them. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're back with episode 58. I'm Liam. I'm Lisa. And I'm Leanne. And happy International Women's Day for yesterday for everyone listening and to you, uh, you to, to Lisa and Leanne as well. I hope you had a good day. Uh, we had a terrific day. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, I think we have to confess to people that we record this earlier in the week. We were going to fool IWD everyone, Lisa. And that hasn't actually <laughs> happened yet. But every day is a terrific day, Lisa. So we can say it was yes. a terrific day. That's right. Every day is International <laughs> Women's Day. Uh, but we, we're going to... No, it isn't. No, not yet. <laughs> Only a bloke could say that. <laughs> we, we used to say to my parents, when do we get Children's Day? And they'd say... Every day is Children's Day. (laughs) Such a classic answer. Uh, But we're going to obviously talk about International Women's Day as our main topic to tonight. And we're going to be asking the question, uh, should early early education services celebrate or acknowledge uh, International Women's Day in services? But before we get to that, we're going to have our our new segment, hashtag news chat. Uh, We're just going to bring a few things and just probably have a couple of quick discussions about some of the things we've spotted kicking around in the sector over the last week. Uh, so we want to start with uh, some news about a new CEO that's joined the ranks. So uh, Early Learning Association Australia has announced the appointment of David Warland as their new CEO. Now, David joins a sector leadership group of CEOs and presidents of early childhood organisations that has more uh, men than women, despite the fact that only uh, 3.9% of the workforce uh, working in education and care services uh, men, and I know Lisa, we, you, you and I sort of had a sort of brief chat about this a couple of episodes ago in our episode about men in early childhood, and um, you know nothing on David. I'm sure he's a he's a wonderful guy and probably comes with a lot of experience and background, but it does seem uh, a little. I'm not sure what the word is. I'm sure we can come up with one, but it's an interesting statistic that we seem to be fine putting men into uh, the high paid positions in the sector, but not the sort of teaching and educating roles, which aren't as well paid or as well valued. I, I like the word disingenuous and <laughs> I, I don't – and it's not targeting anybody in particular and I'll talk in a minute about other sectors but I, I feel like it is a little bit – it does have a bit of that because it is such a heavily, um, you know, dominated sector of women and then what message does that give to women when CEOs are pretty much, you know, all – male that's well they're not all male there's quite a lot of female ceos and i think that's champion um but yeah it does it just doesn't seem to add up for me me too me too so like you're a tiny mouse there lisa (laughs) no look it's crap you know it's like it's it's just it's the same crap 
inside our sector as outside our sector. Men will always rise to the top regardless, you know, of the number of women doing the real labour underneath. Well, this, the stats that I was um, going to very quickly mention was that it's actually not unusual for this to happen even in other sectors that are dominated by women. And this, this, um, the stats came out this time last year, obviously, around, around International Women's Day, where there were fewer women that run top Australian companies than there are men who run companies named John or Peter or David. <laughs> So there's more people in those positions. But when you went then on to look at um, sectors and just looking at sectors that were, you know, dominated by women, such as um, education and training, the percentage of women in education and training is 71%, but still only 34% of CEO positions are held by women. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because in some of the other sectors, they're doing better in terms of... um, the percentage of women. So there's percentage of women in construction and they're actually 3, 3% um, of uh, people who are CEOs in construction are, are women. So, I mean, you know, when you do the, the numbers, 14% of women in mining, 3% of CEOs are women. But even where you've got these sectors that, that are, you know, administrative and support services, 50% women and only 24% of positions, CEO positions are held by women. Same with um, rental hiring and real estate services. So it's not just um, early childhood. It is other sectors where there is a dominant um, female workforce. So it's just, you know, more of the same, particularly in healthcare. Hey, 78% women, percentage of um, female CEOs is only 35%. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to do. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it is exactly what you're saying. It's a broader problem than early childhood, but it doesn't mean we can't think about and discuss it in early childhood and try and um, think about why that might be the case. But uh, that might be, we can probably incorporate some of that discussion into our our main topic for the night. Um, We also wanted to touch on the uh, Tasmanian election that took place last weekend. So the coalition government there was re-elected. And uh, interestingly, one of their election commitments was to provide access to free preschool for disadvantaged or vulnerable three-year-olds in partnership with the early education and care sector um, through what they're calling the Working Together for Three-Year-Olds initiative. And for those who listened to us last year, I don't think we ever tackled it as a main topic, but we dropped it into the news occasionally. There was a lot of uh, movement around this in in Tasmania last year when the, the government uh, was going to lower the school starting age and there was a big reaction from the sector. But, um, you know, I think this is this is actually a, a, a pretty good uh, election commitment. It's being delivered by, or well, it's being promised by a conservative government, which is obviously a far way, far way away from delivery. But this sounds like pretty good news. And look, if they, if they implement it and if they roll it out, it seems like this would put a lot of pressure on the other states and territories to do something similar. Yeah, I, I feel like I can't talk about this one because I really wanted the gambling, the poker machines yeah. to go in Tassie. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm struggling with this one because I think <laughs> this is still, this, this is very much silver lining territory. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other, you know, big thing, uh, which you know, for for people who like watching, uh, you know, 
Put, uh, you know, live footage of, of meeting rooms with people having very polite discussions <laughs> with each other, which I know, you know, put put up my hand, a big fan of those. Um, Senate estimates were held last week and it included a grilling of the education department on the new childcare subsidy system that is planned to be turned on in July. The department seemed very confident that this big new IT system would be good to go on time. So should we be confident too? Every time I think about this question, I just go, yeah, the NDIS one wasn't great. Yeah, this is Centrelink um, you know, that has 3 million unanswered calls a year. Th- 33 million. Sorry, Lisa. I got that wrong as well. <laughs> unanswered calls a year. <laughs> this is also the government that tried to run the census. This is also the government that proudly tells us that MyGov is wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Look, I'll be really, really pleased if it does, but um, I'm really if you were going to argue, if, yeah. have some if contingency gonna... plans in there to get money to services in case it doesn't. Yeah. If you were going to argue this wasn't going to work, you'd unfortunately have a fair bit of evidence to draw on, I think. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll include a link to, uh, I think the transcripts are now up for Senate estimates, which includes uh, some additional questions just around. Liam, if so anyone the... is mad enough to want to read them, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> I, I, I know you, you keep that. You equating it out. And you haven't uh, read it yet? Well, yeah. I haven't read it because I did have quite a busy day, but I just want to um, ask you both, what are your takeaways from the from the transcript? Um, um, the department has a, has itself very convinced that everything is going according to plan and it will all run okay. And I suppose the other takeaway is, oh, you know, so much of this is just a waste. It's just a very complicated system designed to catch rotors and frauders and... It could have all been done so much more simply than this. Mm. I, think, I don't think yeah, my, there's any way that this can be described as simple anymore. No, my only specific takeaway, and I kind of wish they'd been called out of it a little bit and I sort of put it out on Twitter, was this idea that uh, the, the, the getting ready for the new system or being, you know, for services coming on to the new system uh, shouldn't be an administrative cost. And I'd actually argue there's no way it can't be. And only particularly because of the requirement to be reporting the hours of attendance is actually a huge administrative task. And the only options for service, so for services are to either buy expensive IT equipment, so some sort of kiosk system, or pay for additional administration hours. And both of those are fairly significant costs. So I think we do need to push back on this idea that uh, there's no, you know, this is a simpler, less burdensome system. So, Liam, you feel that it is going to be an administrative burden? Well, I don't see a way around it because the, and, and I don't know if this is something that unless you sort of do it on a daily basis and for the centre directors out there who mark the roles will be nodding in furious agreement. But at the moment, because you don't need to report specific hours, so you don't need to, so at the moment, you know, the majority of services, uh, you know, families are signing in on pen and paper. Um, but when you mark the role in on your software system, you can basically just mark, you can select all the children that are attended and just with one click mark them as attended. And then you can individually go and if people are away or people are on holiday, um, to then go and manually enter, you know, every single child that attended that, that, that is, that would, you know, that would be a huge administrative increase. 
Mm. Yeah, would have been good to see some pushback on that. All right. Well, I think that's it for for news chat this week. We will be uh, taking a very quick musical break and we'll be back with our discussion about International Women's Day in services. So stay with us. All right. Welcome back. So, yes, as you're listening to this uh, this episode, if you're listening to it as it comes out on Friday, yesterday was International Women's Day. And, uh, you know, the, the, the experience of women in the sector and issues of gender and social justice has been a recurrent uh, topic on the podcast. And in fact, we celebrated International Women's Day uh, with an episode last year, but there's no reason we can't do it again. So I think we wanted to narrow... In the... other words, we persuaded you that doing it once didn't mean that all the issues had been won. I know, but this is what I didn't get. We, we did a podcast on this last year. Didn't, didn't we fix everything? <laughs> what? Hang on. Enough, Liam. No. Oh, As I said, Liam, it never gets old. This <laughs> never gets old. Don't we wish it would? So I think what we wanted to do this year was narrow the focus down to a sort of a more specific question, and we wanted to talk this this week about should early education services celebrate International Women's Day? Should it be acknowledged in services with young children? So I guess uh, you know this. I'm you know in terms of expert speakers on this topic we can look no further than leanne and lisa so i'm very much going to be in the role of interviewer this week but you know before we get into specifics about centers you know it'd be great to hear from both of you you know um maybe lisa you first then leanne what does international women's day you know mean to you it's funny because it's meant different things through my life at different periods of my life but now i just look at it as generally one day of the year when we can reflect on how we're going towards achieving women's and you know, uh, women's rights, basically. Um, it's also a day when we can call for further change, so we can say, okay, well, we've, we're doing okay in this area, but what about these areas? We really need to do better. But more than anything, I think it's the time when we can recognise what women as a whole do for our society what individual women have done, so individual women's achievements. And if you look across, you know, the entire sector in um, Australia and then in, you know, the world, there's all these mini micro-events in different industries and in different sectors and different parts of life where women who otherwise wouldn't get their... Um, you know, what they do recognised are being given the chance to be on platforms, etc. for that day. Like, you know, Triple J and the ABC will be totally staffed. Um, you know, it will be the female broadcasters that will be on air. You know, it's just one day, but that's a nice way of recognising what they do. Yay. Thanks, Lisa. What about you, Leanne? Um, I think probably similarly to Lisa, it's a it's a day. Look, I always think it's a great day to do something with other women, if you, you know. Which, of course, everybody in early childhood will be doing that because they're working with lots of other women. But also to get together and and have an opportunity to be with um, with female friends and celebrate everything about. Um, International Women's Day, and it's always, and I always try and sort of, I know you're going to 
sort of ask us what we're actually going to do on that day. But I always try to do something around that time that is in a big group of women because there's just fantastic energy around a very large group of women being together and thinking about these things. And I suppose in terms of what it means to me, I, I use it as a um, as an opportunity to reflect on the contributions that women have made, the sacrifices that women have made, and also to look around and see, are there more female uh, faces or more women's um, presence in all of the things that I see? And I mean, sometimes I take the opportunity to dash off an angry note to the Sydney Morning Herald because every story has been written by a man, or every photo has been, you know, that is represented as. Um, male for stories and those sorts of things, but just that opportunity to, to check in and see how that representation is going in everything that we do. And also, of course, to celebrate all of the wonderful um, women who, uh, you know, did incredible things for early childhood in, uh, in Australia, establishing services like um, for children who were living in poverty and for the, for the women um, who needed that support. So, you know, Maybank Anderson and um, women like that. So that's that's what it means to me. Wonderful. Well, given you've sort of given us a bit of a taste, uh, Leanne, about what you'd like to do on International Women's Day, Lisa, mm-hmm. are there particular ways you like to, to celebrate? Uh, I know I've been doing the same thing for the last few years and it's actually with Leanne at Leanne's instigation and... Um, is a, and it's because of a very generous donation that Leanne does every year to UN Women. And UN Women um, has a very big breakfast in each of the capital cities. I think it's about 2,000 women, isn't it, in Sydney, Leanne? Yeah, it's gotten so big. It's so massive now, isn't it? There's, there's that many people there. It is, but every year Leanne books a table and, you know, 10 of us or so go and... Um, sit in that room with 2,000 women and think about women um, in the areas where UN women are working, especially over the last few years around our own country where women, you know, in places like New Guinea and um, Pacific Islands and stuff like that where women, you know, perhaps don't have the same opportunities that we have in Australia. But as Leanne said, one of the things that's really quite amazing about that is just sitting there with that many women. And, you know, I know that, you know, there's some concerns that events like that are tokenistic and they're in fact hard for women because it's a breakfast, it's very early, you've got to get, you know, children-minded, et cetera, et cetera. But it is quite celebratory in tone. Um, I like celebrating in time. And yeah, and the, the thing with UN Women is that it also brings this focus to the sorts of projects that happen that are struggles for women in their everyday lives in those regions. For example, the you know, Fun Day, a, a bus that actually helps women to travel safely to work in the markets, you know, for in their in their little villages and towns that that it's quite phenomenal that that sort of stuff has to happen but I think it's also a good opportunity to focus on how challenging it is for women to do their everyday work and they're supporting families um, selflessly doing that and yet they still need the protection in order to do that safely. 
Same shit, different country. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a good title for the episode if we used quotes. (laughs) But we might put a link to UN Women in the... um, Can we do that, Liam? Would that be all right? We can absolutely do that. It sounds like a fantastic event and well done to... Well done to you, Leanne, for organising that and, and Lisa for attending, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the big question where we're going to ta- tackle today. So, uh, you know, we're obviously all, all of us have had you know, experience in a variety of different roles around uh, early childhood education services, so working with children under the age of five. So do we think that services should celebrate or acknowledge uh, International Women's Day? And given that I probably have a sense of what that answer might be, it might be good if, you know, from both of you... Um, have you have you had got examples of services that have done particular things? And you know, Leanne, it might be good to, to hear from you first. Uh, look, I I am not. Sh- I'm a bit mixed on this whether services should actually celebrate it or whether it should be used as a time for reflection for um, staff to think about um, what sorts of things they are doing in their services in terms of equality and in terms of. Um, uh, you know, really thinking about what uh, young girls, what what happens for young girls as they grow older and what is actually happening within a, an early childhood service, um, how we're working with girls and boys and what that looks like. So I suppose it's, I'm not sure, like I, I think every staff, staff team should celebrate it, absolutely. Um, I think that it is, um, something that's kind of embodied, I suppose, in that sense of purpose that women have each day when they go to their roles in early childhood settings. So I don't, I, I don't have an opinion on whether they should actually celebrate it, but I definitely think that it should be a time for reflection and a time to just um, reflect on the amazing work that they do. So I'd love to see services celebrate it within their staff teams. I'm not sure that it needs to be kind of everything that happens in the service on that day because it can be tokenistic like every other day that could be celebrated in that way. Mm, thanks, Leanne. That's a good point. So have you, I mean, do you have examples of services you know who have done particular things on the day? No, I don't. And I've, I've actually sort of not, I, ha- I haven't seen it done like that. I have seen, um, you know, a focus on women and a, an uplifting, upraising of sort of women in in roles and mothers and all of those sorts of things. But no, actually, not on International Women's Day. That's great, Leanne. Thanks. So, Lisa, what's your view? I know you actually you've actually sort of been posing this question on on Facebook. I've seen a little bit uh, this week, but you know, what's your view on this in terms of services getting involved with the day? Look, I actually don't know. And it's similar to what Leanne says. Is it um, tokenistic? Is it, you know, something of value? And I just, yeah, I'm not clear about whether I think people should or shouldn't. But I do know what drives me insane. So I did post this on Facebook. And the reason I did it was actually because someone had posted, you know, a few weeks ago, what are services doing to celebrate Mardi Gras? And, of course, that generated a lot of discussion with a lot of services having a lot of ideas about what they were doing and what they had done in the past and a lot of other people saying, what's this got to do with children? It's about adult sex sex lives. It's got nothing to do with children. So I thought I'd just kind of innocently pose it again and see what happened. There wasn't as much discussion as what I thought 
but then um, I posted in three different groups. But then the discussion that did happen, a lot of women found, I found were going, oh, I hadn't thought about it. Oh, I've dropped the ball. Oh, I should have been doing this, um, which wasn't you know, intended to make them feel guilty, etc. But I just realised that not a lot of services do it. There was typically, um, a, like the very first comment was, what's this got to do with children? Nothing. And um, at that point I kind of like put my head through my computer because I think, you know, International Women's Day does have a lot to do with children and does have a lot to do with services given the preponderance of women in the sector. But then lovingly and wonderfully all these people told me about all these things that they were doing or people actually on the page while we were discussing it had little side conversations with their co-workers and came up with what they were doing. So some of the things that um, I think people were doing were really good, like doing audits of their um, resources and seeing, you know, whether um, their resources were expressing women and girls in strong and positive ways. Some people were having discussions with their preschoolers about what women do. Um, Others were having morning teas. One service was giving um, every woman a flower. Um, some were having women mothers coming in and talking about what the day meant to them. Um, some were doing things like everyone <clears throat> was wearing a purple ribbon, one of the feminist colours. Others were having a, um, like a display at the front about in International Women's Day. Uh, some women said that they weren't actually doing anything in the centre, but they were going to their union dinner or they were doing something personally about International Women's Day. Someone put up a timeline of, um, you know, women's fight for equality. Um, someone said that they were going to take the day to learn more about their feminist union history. Um, you know, so there was quite... Um, you know, a range of things, you know. Someone was doing a breakfast for all the women and um, they had to put in a gold coin donation, you know. So someone else was asking families to donate things like toilets and nappies and women for a community house um, for families that had been exposed to domestic violence. So I thought there was some wonderful ideas there. <laughs> for those services that did choose to celebrate it in some way or another. That's fantastic, Lisa. I mean, you, you sort of suggesting that people were sort of going away during those conversations going, oh, geez, I need to think about it and came up with some of those ideas. Yeah. God, good on yeah. them. Well done. Yeah. What a great yeah, use of Facebook. Some of, some of them I thought were a lot um better ideas than others but um you know um i was i loved the fact that women were thinking about it and i love the fact that it just it started discussions about feminism between different women of course the negative side was a lot of oh when's international men's day comments and 
are you going to <laughs> no. celebrate International Men's Day as well? And um, when I clearly said, well, no, I'm not in a service, but no, I wouldn't be celebrating International Men's Day, then quite a lot of accusations from men and women that that was um, biased because, you know, know, because why shouldn't we celebrate International Men's Day? How would the boys feel if they didn't get their special day? God, I think that's going to get us down a rabbit hole. I think we can just refer everyone to episode fifty-six on that, where we, where we, you and I talk talk that out, <laughs> Lisa. Um, yeah. So I, I think one of the, I guess one of the, and I, I don't know if this was something that specifically came back to you during the Facebook chats, Lisa. But one of the things we often get um, when talking about these kind of things are children are too young to be having these conversations, and should we be bringing children? in our services uh, into discussions about sort of gender struggles around equity. And, um, yeah, look, I think that's a complicated question to answer, but uh, what, do we, what do we sort of think are, you know, are these discussions we should be having with children and are children too young to be having these discussions? This drives me insane. <laughs> it's the one thing that just, you know, like, what do they think children just kind of come out of nowhere and don't live in a society? Do they think children don't aren't aware of gender as an issue? Do they think children aren't already subject to gender mores because of, you know, whether they're a girl or a boy? And it's also just it's coupled with this thing that drives me insane that people think that there's some topics that are you know, parents should do with um, their children and that the the parents wouldn't be happy if they were talking to children about these issues. And it's just like, oh, people, you're there to educate. That, you know, this is all about education. But then I, I, I will admit that I get challenged when someone says, well, okay, can we also educate about religion? How would you feel if? You know, I educated your child about, you know, Jesus Christ. And as an atheist, I go, well, no, I don't really want that. But then I go, but I trust that no matter what you're teaching, that you never, it's never just a, it's never dogma because that's not what education is. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And I think when we're talking about um, gender struggles and we're talking about whether it's appropriate, I think one of the things that we do in early childhood education, apart, I mean, we talk about belonging, uh, being and becoming. And becoming is one of the one of the focuses of our work with children. I don't believe that's the only thing we should do in any way, shape or form. However, we need to, I guess, assist young girls to understand that they will probably still be struggling even when they grow up in terms of equality. And I think that there are appropriate ways to do that um, when children are young and they're not filled with with dogma or any of those sorts of things. And I think it's important to reflect on why we do have International Women's Day. Um, And I I was actually checking earlier about what what the timing around the first International Women's Day was, and it was in 1909. And, of course, it was driven 
as always, by inequality and um, by the need to focus on women's economic, social um, progress and how, you know, how that actually needed to, um, how it needed to happen. And so it is the very fabric of society that we're talking about. And if we don't explore those issues in appropriate ways with young children, then we're probably not being honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've all got a lot of long silences after we talk tonight. <laughs> it's a, a reflective time that we have. Yeah. Look, I think uh, I, I, I really take on board the points both of you are making and the, the only thing I'd add in terms of um, the early years learning framework is really looking at some of those principles and practices that were meant to, to embody. So things like high expectations and equity, that we have high expectations of, of children, that we that our image of child should be robust enough that we don't think there are just some conversations that are too tricky or too challenging for them. I don't, I don't, I don't think we should accept that. Now, that doesn't mean we just talk about anything and everything and nothing's off limits, but it means that that's the lens we should be approaching. I think we should make the assumption that children can have the conversation and it's then about the ways that takes place. And I think in the sector, we often get very good at at, um, at just, you know, just being a, being probably guilty of just summarizing things. So we just sort of say this issue is too big and too complex. Whereas I think no issue is too big and too complex to talk about with children. What's, what's complex and challenging is how we do that. And that's on our adults, not on children. So making sure we're always bringing it back to ourselves as intentional teachers uh, and educators. And then that idea is one of the practices, um, which is, uh, you know, what I was just talking about, which is intentional teaching. So that we, we have a responsibility and it's called out in the, in our curriculum that we are intentional in our teaching, that we don't just, uh, miss things or we, we, we just choose not to do things because they're too difficult or too challenging or because there's things we, we think children aren't capable of. Intentional teaching encourages us to really decide to do things that we think are in the best interests of children. And I think, you know, discussions of equity and fairness are so important to have. And, and, um, I, couldn't agree with you more, Liam, about that. And maybe it is the first step we take is thinking about the language that we use. And I know that people are quite comfortable now with reflecting on their language um, in terms of how they apply it to gender. And maybe that's just something that happens on, you know, to think about on on a day like this is what, how is our um, language that we use with young children perpetuating stereotypes and um, actually, you know, pursuing inequality so that could be something that people could think about absolutely and i guess finally do we want to do we want to have a bit of a, a, a chat about and a discussion or a or a quick answer about do we think where do we think the, the the sector is on international women's day do we think do we do we feel like there's broad support in the sector for international no. women's day or do we think- <laughs> no look it's, I, it's, I, you know it's such oh. contrast to like schools and stuff where this has been something for quite a number of time and where, you know, at the breakfast that Leanne and I go to, heaps of schools bring tables of their young, you know, women leaders to it. It When I asked the question online, you know, although there were those really exciting things that people were doing, numbers were small and I just think it, you know, it, um, it isn't something that, the sector recognises as important. I'd say feminism isn't something that the sector recognises as important, much less, yeah, IWD. 
But is it important to recognise International Women's Day or is it important to recognise the concept around it? I mean, I suppose it is the, you know, it's the hook, isn't it? It's it's sort of what we can, what we can grab onto. But is it more important that we conceptually look at what this particular sort of aspect of celebration means? I don't know. Christmas is a pretty big hook for Christianity. <laughs> True. <laughs> Everyone's got their day, ain't they? <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Well. I think that's it for our main discussion topic, but we've got a bit of a, a bit of a special extra this week, where which entirely appropriate for International Women's Day. We're going to be hearing for some more fabulous voices of women in the sector. Leanne, do you want to quickly just introduce some uh, some little interview snippets we're going to to throw to in a minute? Yes, yeah, so we've got a, a little um, short um, segment of interviews with uh, some wonderful um, early childhood directors from Kids Early Learning at Blacktown, and um, I'm very fortunate to work with a, this group of directors. And I spoke um, with four of the directors, three of whom had been nominated for particular awards for International Women's Day, and when it comes to talking about what it means to them to be, first of all, nominated, but also what it means to them, um, what International Women's Day means to them for children and families and for themselves as women, they're very powerful and they are wonderful speakers. And so I spoke with um, Nicole and Nellam, Angelina and Tash, and I really hope you enjoy this because uh, there might be a bit of background noise and it might be a little bit hard to hear, but the, I, I just was entranced by some of the things that they were talking about. So I hope that you enjoy that. Wonderful. So we'll throw to those interviews and then be back with our recommendations. Well, I'm with Nicole from Kids Early Learning, Blacktown City Council. And uh, Nicole's going to talk to us about what um, International Women's Day means to her and also because she's been nominated for an award from Council um, for International Women's Day, which is very exciting. It hasn't been announced yet, though, has it? No, on Thursday it'll be announced. Thursday it's going to be announced on International Women's Day. So by the time you're listening to this, it will have been announced. We can maybe update. Um, so great news, Nicole. Now, can you tell us what International Women's Day means to you and, and particularly what this nomination means to you as well? Um, Leanne, so I think it's really important for us to acknowledge um, that women can be successful in leadership roles, that um, opportunities are created for women to be given opportunities to have equal rights. Um, often as women we wait till we're 100% ready to take on a role where often we need to believe in ourselves and believe in those people around us that have provided us with the opportunities to give it a go. We often wait till we're 100% certain before we do it when we could perhaps take on those roles when we're 80% ready. Uh, yeah. In my leadership role, I look to ensure that um, those younger um, women are given the opportunities to believe in themselves um, and to take on those type of roles. Fantastic. Sounds like Blacktown's a great place to work with you in that leadership role because you're right about the, the you know, being 
I think these stats show that men are usually about 60% ready or maybe 50% ready for a role, whereas women tend to be 100%. Do you think that your workplace sort of was encouraging you to be reaching for a leadership role? Um, look, definitely within Kids Early Learning, we um, work to ensure that all of our staff are given the opportunities to participate in um, professional development, as well as a range of mentoring roles to ensure that we definitely are providing the skill basis for people um, and consistently looking for how we can uh, empower them um, to have the opportunities to take on leadership roles. Great. And so what will you do on International Women's Day to celebrate? So we'll be celebrating International Women's Day with my our management team. We'll be attending a um, Women's Day lunch and we'll also be acknowledging all the women that work in early childhood education within our organisation um, so that we they understand that as a management team we acknowledge the hard work that they do because early childhood needs to be viewed as a profession and so we're promoting those women in our organisation to understand that the role that they do every day, we acknowledge them as women. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicole, and good luck. Well, I'm here with three beautiful directors from uh, Kids Early Learning from Blacktown City Council. I've got Tash, Nellam and Angelina. And uh, I just want to ask you what International Women's Day means to you. And then I'm going to ask you about the awards that you're nominated for as well. International Women's Day is a special occasion. I think, in my opinion, International Women's Day is every day because we have such an important role and we make an impact to the people we work with and the children around us and the staff around us and the families. Um, so in that uh, sense, I feel that my being nominated for this award is an amazing opportunity because I think finally, I've been recognised for all the hard work I've done over 24 years and I'm continuing to do so because I'm passionate about working with children and with people and in the community because I've, I've not only just done this job, I've been associated with the community in other ways through Winston Nepal Society, Olympics, um, Red Cross and various other community services for my own, own community as well. So I think I have a lot to contribute to the community. So, um, so what is the award that you've been nominated for now? Uh, it is called the Woman of the West Community. Mm. I think the service that we have given the community, they're trying to recognize that. And what are the special locations other than International Women's Day? Mm. Yeah. And what do you think um, sort of drives you? Why do you keep working on behalf of women and for children? Because I think as women, our role is an important role. I think without women, the families can't be considered as complete because we do so many roles that no one can ever think of. It's not like for a male, a woman has to be the carer at home. While doing your work, you've got to go work looking after other people's children, which I'm passionate about. Um, and I've been told that I have made an impact when I was a student. So I decided to take up further studies and stay in that role. And I'm happy that I'm still going strong. Great. And Angelina, what, tell us about what you've been nominated for. I've actually been nominated for the same award for the community sector um, in recognition of supporting vulnerable families and families at risk and being available to meet their uh, needs within my service and within the community. 
um, I've been involved in and had the opportunity to be involved in um, running the uh, transition to school social play group through Wilmot Public School. And that was in, I was nominated by Joe Everingham, the manager of Family Connect, who put me forward for that. And I had that opportunity to do so from July and through to December. Also participating in a program um, through the Hive at Mount Druitt, which um, involved other services within the 2770 area to help us facilitate and bring and support those vulnerable families within the area and so building the connections and the relationships through the local hub and building relationships with some of the other companies that actually work through there. Um, embedding within our program and promoting literacy, supporting families by um, helping them fill out paperwork, acknowledging that, you know, all people are different, everybody has a different ability and that they need to have that support, um, supporting uh, a family, you know, going into the school system and being part of that group and that connection to move the child from one setting to the next setting so that it's a smooth transition for them. So, you know, it involved having the school counsellor, the um, social worker, the fax people, um, the grandparent, myself all part of a team to actually help that child move forward and having the supporting documentation. Um, you know, helping children be able to have things like NDIS, helping parents fill that paperwork out so that you're promoting the early intervention and the children having the opportunity to move forward in their education. Mm. So what drives you to do this work? What drives me mm. is I'm passionate about the fact that every child, no matter what their ability, disability, whether they're gifted, talented, whether they you know, have a physical or a mental um, disability, every single child should have the opportunity to actually be able to thrive, learn, and move forward in their life because they're our future. Mm. And so that's what drives me. That's what drives me in that every child's experience in life is different and you should never assume what that child's gone through before they work through that door. You accept who they are every morning and start off on a new day and support that child and do the best that you can to help that child move through their life. So why do you think it's important to celebrate women in these sorts of roles? Because they're important things for the community anyway. Well, I think that um, being proactive in your community um, and we as women are role models for our children. And, you know, like Nellan was saying, that, you know, behind every family, and, you know, not all families have a mother, but there's always going to be a mother figure in some somewhere within the realms of those families. And so being the backbone and having someone to look up to and to strive forward and having that passion to actually carry through... I think that women need to be recognised um, because for a long, long time they've had to fight 
for their rights to be heard. And as far as we've come, women are still fighting. We're not equal when it comes to pay. We're not equal. We might be able to vote now, and we are now currently seeing more women in you know, roles as prime ministers and leadership. But I do think that it's really important as women that when you're working within your own community that you need to be an advocate for those people that you are supporting. So in my case, the families, the children and the community being in a low socioeconomic area, those people are just like everybody else everywhere else and they should have the opportunities instead of being put down they need to be empowered and built up and you know what I saw through the children that we had in that program last year through and I praise Wilmot Public School for this and Joe Everingham because by providing that opportunity and then providing me that opportunity to attend every single Wednesday morning and work with those children and work with those families and build that trust, and that's what it comes down to. Unless you've got that trust and those relationships, then the children can actually see that there are more possibilities out there in life. Okay. So... In my case as well, the area that I'm working in, in Marion, there are lots of needs. Some of the families are not literate, they can't fill a form. So I'm like their support person and I'm grateful to KEL management for giving me this opportunity to work with council. That was my only employer for 24 years and I'm still going strong. So I'm ever so grateful that I must have made an impact because I was nominated for another award earlier with Ed Husick's Coral oh, yes. McLean Award. Mm-hmm. That was done by the parents. So I must be doing something right for me, them to put my name forward and I'm very touched. I think you're doing plenty of things right. <laughs> doing a lot right. Really, really I, making I really big contributions. It yeah. definitely is an honour to, to have been nominated. Yes. And at first I, I didn't know how to actually accept it and I found yeah. it really hard because... We had to actually write about ourselves. Yes. And one of the first things that I said was, I'm doing my job role. I don't see that I've done anything special other than be who I am and do what I do. It's interesting that you say, you know, you had to write about yourself. Mm. Do you think that women, I'm going to ask you too, Tash, because you're sitting there as well, do you think women have trouble putting themselves forward in some circumstances for things like this or in roles? Yeah, I I think so. I think so because, I mean, in order for you to put yourself forward, um, some people may see that, oh, you know... You're trying to promote your own self. Your own self and, and... some people may look at that and think, oh, well, that person's very selfish. Or, but in mm. fact, us as women, we're selfless. We yes. are, we're doing more than what we actually realise. And we just take it on our back that this is what we do. Mm. So I do think that we do still have a little bit of adjustment. And yes. I think that comes back to the way women were looked upon in those days before and we're still evolving even though we've come this far yeah there's still a lot of you know growing to do 
So what um, what do you think, Tash? Do you think that because women have trouble putting themselves forward for roles and for, for positions? Um, definitely. Um, I look at myself as well. I haven't had the opportunity to be a mother, I guess, and have that kind of what the girls are talking about, be that mother figure that I think working in the industry that I am working in, I step back and realise that I'm a mother figure for so many of the children that are at my service. And that brings it back to the point that yes. I was saying, yeah. there's always a mother figure in some family role and that's what Tash is. And there's 26 of us in the whole group of directors that belong to Black Council Council. Mm. But we never chose this career for an award. We took it up for the sheer passion mm. and that's why we are still here. Mm. Yeah. We look forward to better things in the future and to make a difference and yeah. an impact. So what then does um, International Women's Day mean for each of you? What does it mean for you? I think it's just a special day for, for us to be recognised for making a purpose in life and being an important impact for children and families. We all know that the first five years of a child's life are detrimental to how they develop and learn throughout their life and I think... Um, we have an important role, so why not celebrate on a special day like International yes. Women's Day? Not only just us, all over the world, women do great things. And when you see, see all these people who are doing great big positions in organisations, you can see there's no stopping them. They're always willing to take up any role in order to make your presence known. So I say, hooray. So when we have the opportunity to step forward, and be that advocate for women and say, look what, you can do it. We've achieved this thus far and being nominated and being put forward will instill and show the future generation that they have more to look forward to, more opportunity. So as women... It's about us standing together and embracing ourselves and our future generation. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to uh, all those Blacktown Centre directors for, for chatting with Leanne. It was really lovely to hear from them. But let's move on to our recommendations for the week. And Leanne, why don't you kick us off? What are you suggesting everyone goes out, goes out and reads this week? Oh, well, look, I've become the pessimist this week. I'm sorry, everyone. This is um, uh, this is actually a report from the Save the Children Fund. Um, sorry, Save the Children organisation called Invisible Wounds, and it's the impact of six years of war on the mental health of Syria's children. And that situation is just not getting no. better. And we all need to stand up and do something about this. And the intro to this is. Um, the children are psychologically crushed and tired. When we do activities like singing with them, they don't respond at all. They don't laugh like they would normally. They draw images of children being butchered in the war or tanks or the siege and the lack of food. And that's one of the teachers. And I just think that that really hits at us as early childhood educators and people who are working with children every day. And we need to read this, think about it and get active about it, which I also have suggestions about, but that's okay. I won't give more suggestions. I'll just I'll just leave that with people to read and, and respond to. Wonderful. Yeah. They're hard stuff to know, but but it's important to know it. Okay, Lisa, what are you bringing us this week? 
I'm writing about a piece that you've written, Liam, which I'm sure people will have seen around. It's about um, the number of male CEOs there are in this sector, heading organisations where the bottom tier of the sector is women. So I think everybody should read it. Thanks, Lisa. It's a very important and good piece. Yes, I think it, the statistics are always just pretty shocking. And I think, as I point out in the article, thanks uh, to you for some initial analysis you've been doing on this for a little while, which I sort of built on and um, and put into a piece. But, yeah, definitely worth reading about. Uh, and my one, just really quickly, and, and look, probably links in quite nicely to, to, to yours, Leanne, in terms of standing up and taking action. My, my view on anything like, you know, International Women's Day, where we're sort of hoping to change things is it's only as good as the action that comes out of it. So I'm uh, linking to a uh, report, um, or sorry, an article by uh, Mob Lab, so the Mobilization Lab, which looks at the trends impacting change for campaigning in 2018. Uh, now, there's a lot of things in there I don't understand about bot campaigners and decentralization, but it is, you know, a very sort of uh, intensive and insightful look at the, the tools that people have um, available for campaigns now uh, and also to some of the risks uh, and some of the challenges. But, you know, for people who are looking at taking a stand and becoming activists, no better day than to start than probably International Women's Day. There's probably some things for, to think about as you prepare to take to the streets, uh, either the real streets or the social media streets this year. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> Worth a look. Just watch out for those bots. <laughs> But that's it for another week. We hope everyone had a fantastic International Women's Day, whether you celebrated in your service or not uh, yesterday. Uh, but we'll be back with a new episode next week. So until then, it's bye from me. And from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com. And while you're there... It would be great if you could hit the support the show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.